Hi, I'm Aviva Rumani, and welcome to episode 51 of Kindred Cast, Lion Tree's bi-weekly podcast featuring insights from deal makers and thought leaders from the world of tech, media, and everything in between. Today, Alex Mather, the founder and CEO of subscription sports website, The Athletic, sits down with Lion Tree's Alex Michael to share the story behind the company's rapid growth in a challenging time for the journalism business. We'll hear about the company's local team strategy and their plans for the future. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex Michael, the co-head of Lion Tree Growth here at Lion Tree. We have a special podcast today. We are thrilled to have Alex Mather join us on KindredCast. Alex, along with Adam Hansman, co-founded The Athletic in 2016 and currently serves as its CEO. He has a long, illustrious career before that with stints at Strava, as well as Comcast. We'll talk about all that and more. And of course, for those who don't know The Athletic, it is a subscription sports website and app that in many ways looks and feels like a local newspaper brought to life in our digital age. And there are hundreds of thousands of subscribers today and growing. And so, Alex, thanks for taking some time. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Happy to be here. The Athletic. I just gave a very lame opening about what it is. Can sure. you illuminate our listeners here as to what The Athletic is in your words. Yeah, I think you did a pretty good job. So we are a subscription-based media publisher. We serve sports fans with really deep coverage that they can't get anywhere else. Our angle is really going deep at a time when everyone else is focused on clicks, wider audiences, bigger audiences. We're focused on the opposite, going deep locally and nationally in a way that no other publisher does right now. So you subscribe to Athletic. It's mm -hmm. how much? It's $60 a year or about $10 a month if you go monthly. And let's say I'm in Los Angeles or pick a market. Sure. Philadelphia. Philadelphia, where you're from. Yes. What am I prospective subscriber subscribing to? Why do I subscribe to Athletic? Yeah. So the reasons you would subscribe is first, we cover your local teams in a way that most other publications but the don't. philadelphia inquirer right sure so yeah, they can... you know we love to use the inquirer as a great example it's a wonderful newspaper and they send it seems like about a dozen people to every eagles game but they have just a certain way of covering the team and it's definitely older school a little more focused on what happened and maybe some hotter takes on on things that are going on we tend to go a little bit deeper so we'll go deep on the X's and O's of the game and how the game was won. And we'll generally hire people that are a little different. Some come from newspaper backgrounds, some don't, but we'll go way deeper into the nuts and bolts of the game. We tend to focus a lot more on storytelling as opposed to what happened. It's more about the why and what it means and the context. At a time when there's so much sports content, we're not really trying to replace everything. We don't necessarily see ourselves as competitors with the Philadelphia Inquirer. They are absolutely prolific in what happened. Our goal is to really go three or four clicks deeper and combine that where we get a lot different than, say, a local newspaper is we combine your local coverage I went to Penn State, so you can get deep Penn State coverage. But if you went to UCLA or University of Miami, you can get those teams covered deeply. But we also cover 
sports in general from a national perspective with really great journalists like Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, and Shams Charania. So you get a lot of this national perspective in addition to that local product. That combination we kind of feel is a little bit like a newspaper plus Sports Illustrated, all bundled into one digital product. That's the start of what we're working on. And we'll get to where you're headed, but you mentioned there's a lots of sports content. I remember when I first heard about the concept of The Athletic, I said, uh-oh, can I just Google search for my team and see a thousand articles? Sure. What gave you the conviction in, I guess, 2016 or 2015 when you were formulating this concept with sure. Adam to actually go ahead, not only try to replicate a lot of what you could find in sports, put it beyond a paywall, which sure, newspapers are behind a paywall and yeah, ESPN Insider sort of, yes. What made you think you could do this? Where did that come from? Yeah, it actually goes back a, a little bit further to 2010. And I don't think I've told this story before, but in 2010, I still have the text file on my Mac and it says the armchair. That was the original name. The original name was The Armchair. Yeah, not a very good name. Did not hold up over the last nine years. In 2010, I maybe had just moved away from Philadelphia to the Bay Area. And I was so frustrated with the Philadelphia local sports product. It felt like the folks that I liked to read, including someone who we've hired, Shio Kapadia, covered the team in a completely different way. And when it came time for the Inquirer to make cuts, the folks that I liked to read tended to get let go first. They were younger and they were a little different in how they covered the team, a little closer to perhaps some of the blogs that were popular in the 2010 timeframe. And, you know, my idea then was what if you could cover all teams locally in a way that felt more modern, a little more collaborative with the fan, not necessarily talking down to the fan or sort of the older school. And back in 2010, I had this idea, filed it away as I went off and helped build Strava. As my time wound down at Strava, I realized that nothing had changed in sports media. It seemed like the local products were in a tough spot. Most of them were newspapers, going through a financial transition away from the print dollars that they were used to. Digital advertising has not turned out to be really robust for them over the last 10 years. And the product has really suffered. Here, six years later in 2015, 2016, I'm still frustrated as a local fan. It comes back to how we think about our business. And it all starts with the subscriber. And, and we felt that there was a lot of white space around super serving a local fan. And a lot of companies had started this way. Actually, Bleacher Report started this way. They were frustrated as local fans. They went through their own transition and have built a wonderful company. But for us, this hole was still there. My co-founder is from Cincinnati and there's almost no original reporting done by the Cincinnati Inquirer. Philadelphia might have a better newspaper scene. Many local markets have a really struggling environment. And the business aspect, it felt like, like I said, digital advertising, if you're not Facebook or Google, it's a tiny melting ice cube and it's going away. And it felt like a subscription business can work if you can tap into a certain amount of passion. That was a core belief of ours. And we learned that at Strava. If you're a diehard cyclist or a diehard runner, you use Strava. You really like connect to that brand because of how passionate you are. And you taking out your wallet and paying for something feels pretty organic when you're really passionate about something. And local sports just has an incredible amount of passion. We know how hard it is to operate 
a business that is based on local products all over the right. country. We call it the 47 front war. We're fighting 47 different battles in these local markets. And, you know, we felt like this was a really great time in internet and media history to start a subscription product, you know, with an audience that was really underserved and passionate. And you so know. you're in how many markets now? You said yeah, 47? Yeah, so we're in 47 or 48. I Between can't, US and track. Canada? Yeah, in North America. And, and we have about 325 full-time reporters on the ground. We launched in Chicago to prove it out. And you know, we hired a few folks from ESPN who had been let go. And within the first few hours, we had product market fit. There was just this outcry from whether it be Twitter or our subscribers reaching out to us saying, I've been waiting for something like this. Go deep, tell stories, focus on quality, not quantity, and we'll see where it lands. And, you know, now. So far, so good. So now, far, how, so good. how many yeah. subscribers do you show? Uh, we don't talk directionally. About that. Uh, Hundreds of thousands. We have over 100,000 subscribers. Over 100. You're being modest. Was Chicago the epiphany that quickly that you had something here? Or was there I mean, a there, milestone? There were, there were a along? lot of epiphanies along the way. I think my co founder, Adam, and I are not Bill Simmons. We're not Nate Silver. We don't come with a certain amount of genius from an editorial perspective. We come from a really strong business perspective and a product perspective. And so for us, everything was about, can we build a local market with the right amount of talent and make it economically viable? We've obsessed over the economics of this business. And so where you $60, you said for- $60 a year. And so if we hire, let's say $1.2 million worth of journalists in Chicago, we need 20,000 subscribers to pay that bill. And Chicago is extremely profitable for us. We just obsess over those economics. And as each market hits these thresholds, we hire more people. We keep going and we keep building that team. And hopefully that separates us from our competition. How did you come up with the $60? <laughs> Just trial and error. Launching your own direct-to-consumer business is all the rage these days. And everyone looks at one price and that's the Netflix index. Whatever Netflix is charging is sort of your barometer. And we're not spending $13 billion a year on content. So we knew we had to be well below Netflix. We had to feel like around the cost of a couple tickets to a game a year. And that felt like a really fair price for what we're doing. And you have an interesting model, and I don't know how much you can go into it, but sure. in terms of you've hired hundreds of reporters now sure. who were at local papers. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that process because it sure. might be quite interesting <laughs> calling up the local beat writer and saying sure. who we are in there. But they participate in how you sell the product. They are ambassadors of the program. To an extent. Uh, you know, I think in the beginning, absolutely. They were on Twitter. They have Twitter followings. They've earned an audience. They push their work out to that audience every day. That has been very helpful in growing our business. But Twitter's a meaningful but not large portion of our subscriptions. And it's a really nice way for us to start. Any writer comes with a, an audience and they have in that audience is an embedded diehard audience for that author and will subscribe to anything they do. And that's really cool for us. And that gets us off and running with a writer. And it comes back to something we talk about at the company a lot, which is our product is nothing without the talent. And so we obsess over making 
the athletic the best job of their careers, figuring out how to do that and figuring out the economics of that. And we can go into that a bit later, but that's been an obsession of ours. I mentioned you've hired these reporters. Sure. Any memorable, <laughs> I mean, there's some, probably some grizzly veterans of all these oh, various sports pages, anything that really stand out of, you know. I mean, I, I've got stories for hours there, <laughs> but, you know, a few things come to mind. In the beginning, you know, no one would even answer our calls. And I understand why. I mean, we're two guys in tech and we, we really don't have a right launching a company like this. And thankfully, John Greenberg actually answered a LinkedIn message. Wow. And that's how we got our first writer. I learned along the way some terminology and, and how to pitch. There was a funny phrase that kept coming up. When a writer would turn us down, many of which did, they would always say they're intrigued. It was the little code for us. When they would say they're intrigued, we would start looking for alternatives for that person. I think what has happened over the last couple of years is we've started to become well-known. Word of mouth tends to be the best way to acquire talent. You hear it over and over with HBO. They treat your talent incredibly well. And that gets around. We obsess over that. Most of the folks come in knowing how we behave. So they come in with a, a lot more of an open mind. One final story there is in 2018, we hired 250 or so writers and editors. Our office in San Francisco has this wonderful roof deck. At any given time, there were three or four of us roaming the roof deck, talking, pitching, and just going over our vision. And what's crazy is in the beginning, no one believed what we were saying. I don't know if we even believed what we were saying. And there's that phase of a startup where you tell yourself some things and then some of it starts to come true. And, and then people start to believe what we're saying. And, and that felt just incredible when people are calling us and saying, I want to be a part of this. You've obviously convinced a lot of subscribers to be interested. You've also convinced a lot of investors sure. to be intrigued, as you put it. <laughs> How did you get them intrigued? Uh, maybe mention, if you can, how much you've raised, sure. who some of those people are, the most recent round. You've got a very interesting capital structure in terms of the people who have participated. Maybe give us a little sense of that process yeah, for you. And sure. So we've raised a little over $70 million over the last three years. And that's it's easy to poke fun at. It was like, oh, here we go. Another media company without a clue, getting ahead of themselves or getting over their skis. But I think we've done it pretty thoughtfully. And so we started very early with a lot of media investors, folks who believed in us, folks at Courtside and Luminari and Y Combinator and Advance It. Lion know, Tree. Lion Tree, an early investor. Folks who understood what was coming in media. They knew that the digital advertising dollars weren't going to support these journalistic entities fully. And so how else are we going to figure it out? What has led to further investment from folks outside of media investors, folks like Comcast Ventures, folks like the Founders Fund, is that we obsess over the economics of the business. From day one, like I said, we've been obsessed with them. And every step of the way, we think about the front lines of journalism. It's really important <laughs> for our country in lots of ways. You know, we're in sports, so it's not as robust in terms of the social meaning of it. But if we can prove that great journalism can thrive, that's a really good thing for the industry. Our investors started to see that early in that our retention is off the charts. If you're a diehard Eagles fan and you subscribe in September because the season's starting, next September the season's starting again. If you're a Braves fan and, and spring training's 
coming around again. We've just obsessed over how a subscription business needs to thrive. And that's just the best talent, the world-class engagement, retention, things like that. And, And investors have realized that, you know, there aren't many companies in media whose DNA is from the get-go that. We look at a company like Netflix, and while they're a decade or more ahead, they're just obsessed from the core of their business. They look at different metrics than every other TV or movie studio out there. We've talked a lot about your content and how you mentioned it's more in-depth, it's more analytical perhaps than simply recapping games, which is a big differentiator to begin with. Talk maybe a little bit about your engine for that. Speaking of the analytics of how Netflix looks, you've told me you measure very precisely what people are doing. That's sort of part of the secret sauce. And you are encouraging these reporters who have been doing this their whole lives to essentially write in different ways. Maybe touch on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. And I think it comes back to something we talk about a lot internally, and that's just no shortcuts. From day one, we said, it's going to take us a while to figure this out. And the only way we're going to get there is by really focusing on the quality of our work and not cutting corners to get there. We've built a pretty big content analytics team. That's the team that's growing the fastest in the company. It's a mix of data scientists, analysts, and uh, we're mixing in folks with more editorial backgrounds in as well. What that team does is we're just constantly looking across our network of writers and seeing what's working and what's not. We have this thing we call therapy internally, where every writer has access to these folks and they get an hour of therapy with them. They go over their numbers deeply. We talk about best practices in their sport. So if you're an NFL writer covering the Jets or the Giants, we'd say, hey, look what's working in Philly. Look at what's working in San Francisco. And how is that received? You've got someone who worked for the Philadelphia (laughs) Inquirer for 25 years, and these punks in San Francisco have this black box of analytics, and they're going to tell me um, how I should write to the audience I know better than they do. I think it comes back to this no shortcuts. We really invest in our editorial team. We bring them in. We give every single one of our writers equity in the company. They get world-class benefits. We give them three months fully paid paternity and maternity leave, of which I'm about to take. We treat them really, really well. And we ask them just one small thing, do the best work of your career. And for some writers, that might mean changing in a lot of ways. In some ways, it's just doing a little bit more. It's about building trust. It starts with them trusting us. We don't ask them to change overnight. (laughs) We ask them to change over quarters or seasons. It's a process. Well, it seems to be working. And Something is working. And what I'll say is at no other time in media is there such receptiveness to getting better. You think about the other options in media and most of them aren't doing so well. So you have this opportunity to really make something work. Print media. Uh, print media, yeah. And in journalism, I would say. Here's an opportunity to get better. The thing that you know, I wake up and... I'm so happy about with our business is when our writers and our editors put the work in and tell a story that no one else is telling, it works. Magic. <laughs> like, it, it's, the magic. it's the Netflix and HBO. Right. It's like when you do great stuff that no one else is doing, your business hums and they buy into that. And it's playing out in every little market that we have. And our goal over time is to get better and better. So you've been at this, as we've talked about, basically three years. Sure. You've established there is a fit for what you're doing today. You've been on record saying that this is not the end goal, meaning what you have today being digital media, print media, essentially equivalent, 
is not the North Star of the company. Yep. You have talked openly about audio. You've talked about video. Can you elaborate on yeah, that? Are we going to see live games? Are we going to see <laughs> your own podcast network? What, what's this, in store You're for definitely the not going to see live games. I think we're focused on high margin products at this point. And we think the competition for streaming is insane. And you know, standing up a streaming business is not simple from an engineering perspective. And that's not our goal. What I will say our goal is, is with our written word, we've realized that when we focus on storytelling, focus on local our business really takes off. Our viewpoint here is when we can do the frontline reporting and we have differentiated content, that's really valuable. And if you think about a company like Gimlet and we're so happy for- We were investing yeah, there as well. And yeah. we're so happy for Matt and Alex and a situation like that where they are the front lines creating content. They're creating content that you can't get anywhere else. They wind up in a wonderful situation with Spotify where they win, Spotify wins, and most importantly, their subscribers win because they get to continue to produce that great content. Maybe we should have started as a podcast company, but we see audio as an extension of what we're doing. So you, you will do audio? Absolutely. Are you already? No. No. And when you think about what's working for us on the written word, you can imagine we have a 300 plus person newsroom that has access that nobody else has. They're at the top of their games. We want to translate that to, into an audio So you see these product. writers doing podcasts? A lot of them, yes. You can imagine us bringing in some audio specific talent. We see just a massive opportunity to serve our subscribers with stuff they can't get anywhere else. And so, All for the same price? Yep. Absolutely. And what about video? So video for us is more R&D. It's a bit of a graveyard of digital media startups pivoting to video. And for us, how can we be unique? And it comes back to storytelling. And so we hired Armin Katayan. He brought in two amazing producers and Victor Frank and Alan Goldberg and 30 Emmys between the three of them. So how can we produce really great stuff that you can't get anywhere else. So short form, long form, yeah, we're documentaries. Experiment. Yeah, we're going to experiment with everything what? essentially except live sports. Yeah, we think the stuff that works on our written word side is really leading the way for us to figure out what might work on video. And, and it's all experimental and we'll figure it out as we go. What works now might not work in six months, but. Obviously your sports focus today. Yep. Is sports the everything or do you see this ultimately becoming What's old is new in terms of a newspaper that has many sections that you're doing politics, you're doing business, that it's all subscription. Is that part of the... For now, we're going to absolutely focus on sports. We see a tremendous amount of room above us before we hit a ceiling. We're going to focus on sports. I will say that there's just an amazing opportunity in media, more generally speaking, that if you can combine a really passionate audience with world-class talent, and run your business really responsibly. There's never been a better time to build a subscription media business that's built on top of great journalism. Do you need more money? No. We've run our business very responsibly. We've raised 70 something million dollars and you know, we've got most of that still in the bank, but we're always looking at more opportunities out there and we have to be really conscious of what makes sense for our company and not getting expectations to the point where we can't do great work. Right. Well, I can attest it's an amazing product. Thank you. I'm a uh, New York Giants fan. Tough time right now, but I subscribe. I read. Hopefully I'll listen soon. I'll watch something. A bit of a lightning round here just sure. to get to know you a little bit better yeah. for people listening. 
as you look at the business landscape, do you have any role models that? Yeah, I would mind? say Easy is Netflix, Spotify, and Apple. They're really focused on. You're quality. really going for. <laughs> <laughs> They're just focused on quality, and at the end of the day, when you focus on quality and you focus on your subscriber, I said it earlier: no shortcuts. When you make decisions in your company that lead to a better product. Every one of those little decisions compounded over years puts you way ahead of your competition. And those three companies, to me, look like the ones that are obsessed over the long term. They don't make decisions that may be easy now and might make their quarterly earnings better. They're focused on 10 years from now. And, and that's how we think about our business. Okay. We've talked about podcasts. Do you have a podcast you'd like to recommend? You know, I love the stuff that Gimlet produces. I just listened to Gladiator by Wondery. The hair stands up <laughs> on my arms when I listen to the stuff that Wondery produces. I tend to get into the deeper storytelling. The serial storytelling. Yeah, I love that stuff. Favorite book or great book you've read recently? So I read a lot. Unfortunately, it's like how to be a better CEO. Is there one that stands out? <laughs> Has it worked? They all work to varying degrees. It's a bit of whatever I read most recently tends to work the best. A Measure What Matters by John Doerr has been something that has really focused OKRs me. And yeah, that, just yeah. focusing a company. You know, there's 300 plus people in the company and getting everyone to believe in what you're doing, getting everyone energized to do great work and to push the company forward is my challenge. And that's a great one. And I'll leave it with this. What's the coolest experience you've had in this job? Oh, that's a really good one. Coolest experience. I mean, this is a dream come true. You run a very cool <laughs> sports media entity. Yeah, I will I will say the, the coolest experiences over the winter. I went to Las Vegas for the baseball winter meetings. And we have an incredible baseball team with some of the best talent in the business. And I got to spend a lot of time with them and that day, Jason Stark was awarded Baseball Hall of Fame and got to experience He's a writer that. for you. Jason yeah. Stark covers baseball for us. You know, he's someone I've followed my entire life. And here's the day it's announced that he'll be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I'm there to congratulate him in front of our incredible staff. And it was an emotional moment for him and just a great day for him. And just to be a part of that and you kind of pinch yourself and say, hey, this is all stuff we're working on together and we're building this company together and that was just unbelievable that tops the eagle super bowl <laughs> i think uh, you're being politic but that's fine um, that's a good story it does too. top the, the eagle right. super bowl i know you're a diehard there <laughs> well i want to thank you so much for coming on kindercast alex we'll continue to follow and nothing but the best of luck I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you want to check out any prior episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to leave a review there as it helps people find the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at KindredCast for behind the scenes photos and info. Keep listening and see you next time. Audiation.